Hey yo, welcome to the best of interviews. How's everyone doing? Now today for these interviews, you're gonna hear two never before heard interviews on Spotify. Now, these two interviews were one of my favorites that I've done. It was the first big interview I had and it features Chris Rabb, AKA Rabb himself from Viva La Bam and Jackass and Joe Franz, the filmographer for Viva La Bam and Jackass. Now, these two were my favorite interviews that I've ever done in my entire career of podcasting. So, without further ado, let's get on with the interviews. And before the interviews start, I'm just gonna play the full-fledged interviews from beginning to end. And, you know, it's just cool just hearing how everything was set up back then. I just enjoyed every second of it. When you hear the Joe Franz interview, it will actually, you know, feature the beginning, which explains what happened to the whole interview because part of the interview got cut off. And um, I was just really upset about that. So without further ado, let's get on the best of interviews for TJTV, only on Spotify. What's poppin' TJTV? Welcome back to another full episode this is episode 122. I'm here with a very special guest, Chris Rab, who was on CKY, Jackass, Viva La Bam. And actually, like, I grew up watching, like, these guys do, like, define, like, st- like death-defined stunts. And it's just, like, I want to say thank you for my show, honestly, like, from the bottom of my heart. Like, it's not yeah, every man. day. It's not every day you get, like, someone who was, like, on TV. And, like, I've had people who were famous <laughs> on my show before, but, like, you know, it's, like, not an everyday thing. Yeah, dude. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, you're welcome, man. But so, like, what? What do you like? How's your day going? You're. I know you're in LA right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Good day. I have the day off, so that's nice. I've been working like a madman. Uh, I'm a camera guy at this point, so I'm working six, seven days a week, uh, yes. depending on I'm on a show right now. So uh, today was my first day off in two weeks. So I'm uh, psyched to have the day off and just kind of chilling. Yeah, I mean, I know how you feel. Like, I just was on vacation. I was actually in L.A. not too long ago, and I came back yesterday around, like, 5 o'clock at, like, a.m., and I just, like, couldn't sleep at all last night. I had to come to work this morning, and then I'm just, like, you know, wide awake now, and I'm drinking, nice. drinking like, energy drinks to keep me awake. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so let's start off with, like, this whole little process. So what was your childhood like? So, like, when you when you met Ben, did he push, like, the filming to start, like, the series CKY? Like, how did that, like, all come about? Uh, no, well, we actually met when we were, like, six years old. So, like, we started doing the CKY stuff until a little later. Uh, very early on when we, were, when we were in elementary school, Ben had, like, a little skateboard team called Team X. And uh, his, his dad had built, like, two half pipes in the backyard. So all the kids in the neighborhood would come over to his house and skate on those ramps. And uh, we'd all get these little haircuts with, like, X's in the back of our head because <laughs> we were, like, on this little 
this little skate team when we were like eight years old, you know? Um, and then uh, that kind of started leading to filming stuff because actually Bam was, was a really good skateboarder. Um, I mean, I used to ride a little mini ramp, but Bam like stood out. You know, he was right. kind of, it, it was like ollie it off of the roof into the ramp. And uh, and so his dad would, would videotape uh, some of the skateboarding and that led to like a little sponsorship for a local skate shop called Fairman's. And, uh, and then like there was cheap skates was another skate park that we would go to and stuff. And we always used to kind of drive around in his dad's banana boat, which was, was this, this sticker car. And it was this big yellow old like Chevy. And, uh, and it just had stickers on the whole entire thing. And, and Phil would take us like from skate ramp to skate ramp and, and skate park to skate park and drive us around so we could skate. We'd go down to, uh, Love Park in, in, in Philly. Um, like I said, I, I was a kid that kind of got on a skateboard here and there and, and tried to ride, but Bam was somebody who just stuck out uh, big time. And so that's why Phil would, would uh, have a camera around all the time. Right. And that, that's kind of what led to the CKY stuff because like uh, later in middle school, we met Ryan Dunn and, uh, and Brandon DiCamillo. We, we might've known Brandon a little before Dunn. Um, and then like Ray Gion and Art Webb, 1986 and all those guys. And, uh, so that like kind of, they were around, everybody was around, Bam was skating, uh, Mike Maldonado was an awesome skateboarder in Westchester that we always hung out with. And, uh, and Kerry Getz started coming around. Another guy, uh, Chris Astete was, was an awesome skateboarder. And so there'd be guys filming their skate tricks, but then like, you know, Ryan and Brandon and me and Rake would be like just around and, and just kind of causing shit, you know, yeah. like just to keep ourselves, you know, like entertained. And so basically the camera went from the skateboard and then kind of turned on to the, the random stuff we were doing. And, uh, and then, yeah, it was kind of, Bam was the ringleader in, in the fact of, you know, wanting to take all that footage and put it together and, and do something with it. And, uh, and that's what led to the first CKY video, which was uh, actually was a skate video for a company called Landspeed, which was one of Bam's sponsors at that point. And uh, so it was kind of a hodgepodge of skateboarding and, and just the CKY craziness. Right. And then, to it, and then, then the second one, CKY2K, I think is the one that really kind of got some recognition. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, very early on, I think we were, we were like, when I when we were filming that stuff, uh, there's footage from being like 10, 12 years old. You know, like I used to just love to like stir shit up. So I would I would always like go into the grocery store and knock shit off the, the shelves, or like or go into like a fast food restaurant and just like put like random food in like different containers that weren't. You know, and they'd be like, "Hey, you never bought that." And you just like just like throw it at whatever, like just to cause shit and. Uh, it was just basically to entertain one another, you know, like try yeah. and make Bam laugh or try and make Brandon laugh or try and make Ryan laugh. And, uh, and then they kind of, you know, everybody was reciprocating that. And, um, and so that kind of just led to what it was. I think like the nice thing is we just, we had a camera around and it was just who we were. It wasn't like we had any like idea of, Oh, we want to get on a TV show or we want to do this. It was more like, this is just who we are and there happens to be a camera there capturing it, you know? Yeah. And, and 
so we, we would like cut out of some of our classes in school and go film stuff like at the high school like on property we had this awesome graphic arts teacher that would let us like go film stuff during his class so um so we did that stuff in high school too and then that that again that's what led to the cky stuff so we've been doing it kind of forever uh we would shoot some stupid little skits you know like there's dumb skits where we're like pretending to be the teacher and then like the students are fucking off like <laughs> in like uh you know like detention or whatever and uh, and so there was just all these little kind of bits and pieces, and, and I think that's that's where like the uh, you know the smarts of, of Bam came together. Is he, he brought all the bits and pieces together and had an awesome editing style with the CKY video, which then like got people you know taking note. Right. Wow. Jesus, that's like a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. So it was yeah, it was a cool kind of it was an awesome experience. I think like being young and, and like. Like I said, at that point in time, none of us had any idea that that would ever turn into something like a TV show right. or any of that stuff. So it was just like stupid, innocent fun that I feel like is uh, is kind of the best time because you, you know you you don't have anybody looking over your shoulder. You're just doing what you're doing and you're having a blast doing it and just trying to make your friends laugh. Right, and I know I know you got. I think Bam said he sold it to like local skate shops around like Fairman's, which was one of them, and then it just expanded into like a bigger like franchise as it like, you know, as it got more popular and whatnot. Yeah. So, but, um, so when you were in high school, I know you did it off of a dare. I believe you got expelled. No, no, I did that. I would love to say that. I came up with the content and then, uh, I was not going to, maybe we're losing connection. Yeah. Uh, do I have it? Yeah, yeah, I think we lost connection. Oh, that's, yeah, that's fine. So it wasn't off of a dare, you said? It was just... Yeah, Ben loves to say that he dared me to do it, but no, I, I was about to get expelled from school. I had a meeting with the principals in the morning, with my parents and the principals, and they were, they basically were like, hey, if Chris gets in trouble one more time this school year, then he's going to be expelled. So, like, right after I got out of the meeting, I was like, fuck this, dude, I'm going out with a bang, and, uh, <laughs> And so when I got into health class, one, there was this teacher who had a coffee mug on the desk. Yeah. And, uh, and Bam and I were, were having to take this, like, makeup quiz. So we were sitting in this classroom and that was, like, adjacent to the classroom we were in. And I was looked at him. I was like, dude, I'm going to take a shit in that coffee mug. And he was like, you won't do that. Like, and then, so then he's like, oh, I dare you. Like, so that was it. But, but the whole idea was I, was I knew I was going out with a bag that day. And, uh, so I took the mug to the to the bathroom and I took a shit in it. And the plan was to put it back on the desk of this health teacher. But um, I never made it back because I took the shit. Then some kid came walking in to the bathroom and I'm like trying to cover the turd up, you know. And he's like looking at me like, what, what's that? And I'm like, uh, and I like ran out of the bathroom and then I, I get to the hallway and then this girl, like this like nerdy girl that like you could tell she would definitely tell on me. So, like, I was like, oh, what do I do? So I just kind of panicked and then just threw it on the lockers. <laughs> and, uh, and then it just spread, like, all over the lockers. And then, like, some shit got onto my foot. Oh. From, like, there was, like, a fucking hunk of shit on my foot. So I'm like, oh, and I can smell it. And I, like, run over to the, the water fountain. And I'm, like, rinsing my shoe off in the water fountain. There's just shit going into the water fountain. 
and this teacher like comes out of the classroom and like sees the shit on the lockers yeah. and like, grabs the phone and is like sitting there like um yeah so someone defecated on the lockers in the b-wing and so then like i snuck back into the classroom and like right when i got back like like bam's like where is it i was like oh dude it, like didn't you know it didn't make it and so then I, I was telling him like i threw it all over the lockers and we're sitting there as the teacher mr mcconnelly uh i shouldn't say his name but whatever yeah. he, he uh he, he was sitting there like What's so funny, Rap? Like, what's so funny? And I was like, oh, nothing. You know, like <laughs> trying to pretend like nothing. And and some of the kids in that in that area of the B wing, they got let out early so they could like make it to their next class. And you could just hear them being like, what is that? Like, ew, ew. I think it's shit. You know, and everybody's like swarming around the lockers. And then like I got out of class and I'm like trying to sneak by. Yeah. Like as the principals are right there and. Bam is dying laughing at the at the turn on the locker, and I'm like trying to keep my head down because like I, I was like at that point I was kind of like trying to get away with it, but I knew like I wouldn't. And uh, at next period, I uh, decided to like ditch the rest of the day and go out and like wait out in the parking lot for a friend that was coming out, like a senior, a kid that was uh, he, he drove to school, so he was coming out, but. From what I gathered and what I heard, like immediately everybody in the school already knew it was me, and they were like, "Who would have done that? It would have been rap, you know." Like, yeah. and, um, and so like at that time, like I didn't go back to school the next day. They, apparently, there was a whole long line of people to tell on me because they were offered like a two hundred dollar reward. So I went back to school, got arrested, and had to like get arrested in front of everybody. It was like, uh, it, it was like destruction of private property, vandalism. They charged me with, like, all this crazy stuff. And, like, they had to shut down the, the B-Wing because, like, basically, like, poop is, like, toxic or whatever, like, considered, like, a biohazard. So they had to, like, fumigate the whole thing and, like, not let anybody go in there. So it was, like, this big thing. And uh, immediately expelled. And then, I, uh, and then I went to a boarding school after that. And you got your diploma after that? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I'm a college graduate too. Like yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I went to uh, Shippensburg, uh, right? Oh, yeah, I went to Shippensburg. That's where I graduated from college. But I went to Church Farm School, uh, which is a boarding school after uh, after Westchester East. Oh, okay. And then, like, uh, I finished out like school there, and I did well and whatever. It was just, it was a different type of a school there, which was cool. Uh, public school, man. I just lived for the attention. I lived for cause and shit. Like. <laughs> I always laugh because, like, Bam and, and Ryan and those guys, like, they, the worst things they would do would be, like, maybe skip a class or something. But, like, I was a little fuckface that just loved to, like, seriously, like, my day, like, I couldn't wait to wake up and go to school because I knew I was just going to fuck with shit, you yeah. know, like, and, uh, and so, like, that was it. I knew I had an audience there, you know, and, and, uh, and that was, that was almost a lot of fun. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty amazing <laughs> like i i hear this story all the time and it always like makes me laugh because like you never my kids my age i'm 23 i would never have like done something like crazy as that like i mean the, th yeah. the worst thing i did was possibly there, so when i was in eighth grade there's this girl no one liked her and they're like i dare you to spit on her i was like yeah i'll do it and i spit on this girl but it was on her shirt 
and like I didn't mean to, I didn't mean for that to go that way, but I got suspended for harassment, uh, being like sexist, and I just got like all this like rough from this principal because like yeah, well you, you guys grew up in such a different time too. Like I think like nowadays I don't know if I would fit well in that world because like. <laughs> Everything is so PC. You can't like. There's so many rules of all this stuff. I would feel like I would just go nuts because like that. Even back then, you'd get away with a lot more, and I still would be sticking out, kind of doing shit. Just because I, I just always found it to be fun. Like I, I, I wouldn't fuck with like like you know like nerdy kids or like people that had like issues. Like I wouldn't right. do that. My main issue. My my main mission was like find the coolest kid in the school and fuck with him. You know like. So, like, there would be situations like that where it's, like, the captain of the basketball team, and I'm like, I'm just going to go fuck with this guy so bad. He's trying to hit on girls, and you're just, like, just constantly annoying him and doing shit, and, like, that was, like, that was the, what I lived for, was kind of doing that, you know? Just yeah. kind of picking on, on, the, on the cool people, you know? <laughs> like, you're the opposite of, of what normally happens. And I was I wasn't really much of a nerdy kid though when I went to school. I was more of like I know everybody, but like the sporty guys would like pick on me. Like I did karate for twelve years, and they all were like, "Oh, let's just fight this kid." I'm like, "No, like, you know, there's like seven football players wanting to fight like me." I'm like, "No, like I don't want to fight everybody. Like I'm just like that guy. Like I just want peace. That's the, that was my whole thing in school. Like, yeah. But um, so yeah, I wasn't a fighter or any of that yeah. kind of stuff. I was more like. I just want to fuck with shit, you know, I just, like, cause a disturbance. <laughs> yeah. So, like, after all that stuff, like, you graduated, you're, you know, you got your diploma, you got on, you, like, CKY footage was on Jackass, I guess, like, from the first, like, couple CKYs, right, they were on, like, a couple episodes of Jackass, and then Viva La Bam started right after that. So, like, were you, like, how did that happen? How did, like, the whole, like, you know, jackass slash people the bam thing happened. Uh, I mean, it all happened from bam skateboarding. Really, that was the connection to Jeff Tremaine. Right. And Jeff Tremaine, executive producer, director of Jackass, and so and uh, and Spike Jones, uh, executive producer as well, and obviously Knoxville is too. Uh, Knoxville was over at Big Brother Skateboard Magazine, right? And doing crazy shit like you know, stun gunning himself, like bear spray, like all that kind of stuff. He was doing articles for Big Brother. Uh, and Big Brother was a very, very similar kind of thing uh, that we were doing too. Like they, they were, you know, it's a skateboard world. It was like skateboarding and then fucking off, you know. And, uh, and I think uh, the, the main connection was Bam skateboarding connected him to Jeff Tremaine, which then brought all of us into that mix. And Spike and Jeff and Knoxville had this idea for Jackass, um, you know, based on all the stuff that Big Brother was doing. And when they, you know, saw CKY2K and that stuff, they, they kind of knew instantly, like, we need to get these dudes in the mix too right. and just point forces and, and make this, uh, you know, this thing happen. And so that was what happened. Basically, like, Jeff reached out to Bam and he had known Bam for a bunch of years uh, through skating and and was like, let them know, hey, we're gonna we're we're pitching this pilot to MTV and Comedy Central um, for you know for this this show that we're doing, and uh, and so then like he took you know him, him and Spike and and also took some of the footage from CKY, but then they came out about six months before the show aired, and 
and we filmed some more stuff for the pilot. And uh, and then yeah, the pilot uh, got picked up by MTV. And at the time, I think it was like, all right, we might get one episode of this show. And that episode aired, and uh, and I still remember like being in college and in Shippensburg, and, and people being like, dude, what the fuck, you're on TV? I'm like, oh, I know, it's crazy. Like, and uh, I don't think we had any idea what would come of it. And right away, like, it it got good ratings. People were like, you know, what the hell is this show? And wanted to watch it. And so then they ordered, like, um, I think something like seven more. So we did eight total for that first season. Right. And we did uh, two more seasons of eight. And then, uh, like, a gumball rally thing. So it was, like, 25 episodes total of Jackass. Um, And the funny thing was that uh, all while Jackass was going on, we were still filming like a bunch of random shit too. Like to see, you know, there would be tons of stuff and you're like, some stuff couldn't be aired on Jackass. Right. And some stuff could. And, uh, and so the stuff that couldn't would go to CKY3. And like, that was like me doing that, the 18 X lacs, like running full speed shit. You I know, know that. Like, yeah. Like, like <laughs> that, that one, couldn't be aired on MTV. Like they were, they had this clause, like that you couldn't have spreadable butt cheeks. So, uh, so that, I always thought that was so funny, like spreadable butt cheeks. But uh, so we weren't allowed to, to put that on. So that went on to CKY three, and I'll say CKY three was a lot of like the outtakes of what wasn't allowed to be aired. You know, at that time, like uh, Senator Lieberman at the time was was trying to get the show off the air. A lot of people did not like Jackass. You know, and. Um, they, you know, thought it was a destruction of, you know, community and whatever and all this stuff. And they were worried because young kids were doing the same stupid shit and getting hurt. And it was like, you know, they had to put all these, uh, you know, these disclaimers on there. And, and the funny thing is, like, they would be like, this is performed by professionals. And we would always joke, like, oh, yeah, we're professionals. They, you know, professional idiots. And, uh, but the thing was, like, you know, as you look back, you think, well, most of us had done a lot of those stunts and those stupid things for most of our lives. So we figured out like how to get, how to fall and how to like take those hits and how to do that stuff. And just some random kid that never did it before, like smacking each other with a shovel or something Ooh. like, it's like, you know, they end up hurt or they jump off of, of a hotel roof into a pool and break their back. Like, it's like, dude, don't do that. Like, yeah. Man, did that steve did that but i wouldn't do that like i knew like no fucking way i'm doing that you know like like oh i could ride like a like a bike off of a roof into a bush like that i could i could handle that but like i knew my limitations and i i think that's what like some of the parents and and uh some of you know like the uh critics and stuff were worried was like that these kids don't know their limitations and they're just trying stupid stuff. So at that point, you know, people were trying to get it canceled and, and it was not the household name that it is now. And it was not like approved of by most people, you know? And yeah. I think, I think in a way it's kind of like, if you think about like, like two live crew or like, like music like that, where like they first got like the parent advisory sticker and they like, everyone was worried. Like they don't want to have this, like this like label on their, their, their CD or their tape or whatever, because then, like, you know, it'll, like, distract from from people buying it. And really all it did was make kids want it more, you know? And, like, so I feel like that's kind of what happened with Jackass is, like, the more it was outlawed, the more people didn't want it, the more, like, kids were like, hell yeah, we want to watch that. Because yeah. that's 
I was as a kid. You know, like, I, I wanted to watch the shit I wasn't allowed to watch. You know, like, you, you, you want to figure out a way to kind of go against the grain and do that. And um, so I think that only helped, you know, propel it more than, than it did to stop it. And, uh, and then that was what led to, after the first one, that led to the first movie. Right. And then Viva La Bam led after that. Yeah, after the first movie, they wanted to bring back Jackass, but Knoxville was doing, like, all these movies and stuff, and uh, and, and he was, like, kind of moving into another direction, and, and they still wanted Jackass, so they saw, like, Steve-O and Pontius, and they were like, dude, we want to make a show, and and, and, and I believe them and, uh, them and Tremaine came up with the concept for Wild Boys, and then Bam... Uh, they approached Bam and us and Bam's family and wanted to do a show. Like, And at first we thought it was like a CKY TV sort of thing, but it kind of melded more into like Jackass meets the Osbournes. Yeah. And that was like how they sold it. And that's what it basically Viva La Bam became, you know? And uh, and then, yeah, so we did, a, we did five seasons of that show after that. So like why – so I know like everybody who was in the first CKY, second CKY – Everybody was on that, but, like, why was it only you, Ryan, DiCamello, Rake, and Bam? Like, why? what happened to everybody else? Like, why wasn't, like, Mike on there, Ryan G on there? Like, they only appeared, like, very – in, like, very few episodes. What, what was up with all that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, – I think what happens, you know, like, in that world, like the TV world, you know, like, like other people get their hands on things and kind of control situations. But I think what happened was – we were the core group, you know, of the guys from CKY. Right. So then that kind of was what they put the focus on. You know, like, it's like, okay, well, everybody already knows, like, Ryan and Rab and Deco and Ray and Bam. So, like, let's just keep it. Like, those guys are all on Jackass. Everybody's starting to know who they are. Like, I think it becomes that marketability sort of thing. And, uh, and some of the guys, you know, would come on for some episodes. Like Carrie Getz would get on an episode or something, and like uh, Tim O'Connor and those other skaters and shit from the area right. would get on an episode or two. But yeah, it, it very much became like about uh, April and Phil and Don Vito, and uh, and then like the core group of the CKY guys. Because hmm. the band, you know, the band is just as much of the videos as everybody. But they ended up signed by Island Def Jam, and they were touring the world, you know, while we're shooting the video. And I actually went on tour with them a lot too, in between stuff. But uh, but yeah, they 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 should have been on the show just as much, you know. But it just became this kind of thing where they were like, this is the core group, and that's who ended up on it. Right. Hmm. All right. Well, let's take a short little break. I just want to run and get my charger real quick because my phone's like okay. about to die. So. We'll give it like a five second minute break. Sound good? All right, give me one second. All right, we are back. Usually, I never really take breaks, but, you know, you got to. All right, so after all that, what happened? Like, you went back to college, essentially, right? Right after Viva La Bam and all that? Um, yeah, I actually had a, I had a, I 
for a couple years after Viva La Bam, um, and I was pitching some shows, and, and I got a show in development that never went. Um, and then after that, I went back to college <clears throat> and finished out my last semester uh, at Shippensburg. Right. And the, so you guys filmed Haggard during Viva La Bam also, right? Uh, before Viva La Bam. Oh, it was before? So like... Yeah, it was kind of around the time of the Jackass movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was uh, like, I think it was like 2001, we ended 2002. Right. And then I remember the story, you uh, <laughs> you were coming home, you were going to Shippensburg. I heard this on the radio show. You were going to Shippensburg, you bought a cat. Because, like, Jen was selling, like, Bam's old girlfriend was selling, like, cats or something because they had kittens. You were going up there. Your car caught on fire. And then you, like, smacked it out. And then you went to class or you went to Shippensburg, missed all your classes because you fell asleep. And then coming back, you kind of ran into a little uh, trouble where you ran through a, a toll booth and hit a guardrail to stop the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's all part of that fucking wild life at that point. You know, like, uh, I had gotten a DUI prior to, uh, right right before Jackass started, and uh, I totaled my car, and I'd almost killed myself, and, um, like, people, had, uh, a van had found me on the side of the road, like, in a pool of blood, and I oh. fucking was, it was, it was an awful, awful accident, but uh, after that, I didn't have a car, and... Uh, I had, you know, suspended license for a while, but then about the time that Haggard came up, that was when I, like, got my license back, but I didn't have a car yet. And, uh, and so then this, this, like, auto body company, right, in Westchester was donating a car to us for the movie Haggard, and, like, as soon as I got it, like, um, I went over there to get it, and I, and I'm, like, it's a buddy of ours, this guy, Chris Hardy, and he was, like, Hey, uh, dude, just so you know, like, and I look in and, and on the steering wheel just has a sign that says no brakes. Right. And, uh, and I was like, okay. And I'm looking at the dashboard, the dashboard, like wires are like tape with like masking tape. And it was like this ghetto ass thing. And he's like, all right, so there's no brakes, but like the metal on metal will stop you. Like just drive it to Bam's house, which like at the time that was still Bam's like parents' house, uh, on like. It was like a mile away. So they were like, yeah, you could make it there, but don't drive it after that. And so like, I was like, okay. So I drove the BAMs. As I'm going, like I, I noticed like you have to push the brakes like 50 feet or like 100 feet before the stop sign so that it'll stop you. Right. Because it's metal on metal, like, you know, like this like crazy noise. And uh, and it stopped me enough. I get, I get the BAMs parents' house. And uh, as soon as I get there, like, and like Ryan runs out with like a, a spray can, and he just like rides like this big dick on the on the like the hood of it, and then like it, and he wrote "I hate truckers" like backwards on it, and then somebody comes out like a shark fin and put it on it. They spray they spray paint like "rad sucks." They spray paint like all the shit. Like the whole car is covered in like rainbows and dicks and like rap sucks and I hate truckers and like fuck and whatever, you know, like the whole car is covered in all the spray paint. And, uh, and so like we started filming with it, you know, like, uh, we filmed like a couple things and that was what led to me going, shit, like I need to get back to school, but I didn't have a car, but I needed to film the scene. And then like, I needed to get back to class cause I had a test the next day. 
and that was what led to the whole type situation. Yeah. And it was that uh, Ken, Ken's cat had kittens, and and she was like, "Hey, will you take one of these?" And I like, I, I was like, "All right." And so I took one and brought it in the car with me. And I mean, you know the story, but I, like basically, the cat's running around the car like a fucking wild Indian, and like and and like. I'm driving and it's getting under my feet and I'm trying to like put it because it got out of the box that I had it in and like so I'm trying to put it back as I'm driving and and like as I'm driving like the uh, it starts to rain and then I try to hit the windshield wipers and notice there's no windshield wipers it's just metal like going across the window yeah. it's like, <laughs> like so just all this rain coming in and as that's happening the cat's running and the dashboard because of the the masking tape just started like catching on fire. There was like this little flame and this little spark and all this smoke. And I so I'm like fucking flipping out and I'm, I'm clapping out trying to clap out the fire and it's burning my hands. And like all the the windshield just flooded with rain and I'm like trying this cat's running and it's just fucking insane. So finally I like I pull over and the lights went out because of the dashboard right. like, caught on fire. And so the lights are out, there's no wipers, and there's this cat, and I end up, like, figuring out, like, fuck, I guess I just got to sleep here on the side of the turnpike. And so I slept on the side of the turnpike until, like, the sun came up. And I kept trying, like, to go, like, 100 yards every, like, hour or so, but you couldn't see shit, and it was, like, raining. And then when I got there, I was so exhausted, I'm like, oh, I'll just take a nap for 30 minutes. And, like, I laid on the couch and missed my fucking test. Because I passed out and just didn't wake up. Yeah. And then on the way home, that was when the brakes, like, that, that exited down in town. The brakes ran out. And I'm flying around the thing. And, like, luckily, like, there was no one in the one. So I just, like, I just hit, you know, like, turned over and went flying through. And I'm, like, <laughs> reaching out the thing, like, oh, I'll be right back. <laughs> I couldn't tell because it was, it, was like it was, like, a hill and a guardrail. And I'm, like, fuck, like. Either I crashed into the hill or, like, or I should hit the guardrail. But, like, in this short period of time, I'm like, fuck, there was this kid that got killed by the guardrail, like, near my house because it impaled him. Like, when it went through the... Oh, wow. Impaled him and killed him. So, so I'm thinking, fuck, like, I'm going to do that or crash into the sink. If I crash into that, I'm going to fucking break my face on the steering wheel because I just did that a year before. I broke my face and split my leg open all that in that accident. Yeah. The UI accident. So... I'm like, I don't want to hit that, I don't want to hit that, but then I finally just was like, fuck, I guess I got to hit the rail. And so I just hit it and like guarded it along and there's just sparks flying like all off of it. And finally it goes to the stop and like I get out and, and run back to the toll booth like with the buddy for the toll and hand it to the lady and she's like, what the hell? Are you okay? I'm like, oh shit, I don't know, man. The brakes, are, there's no brakes in that car. And like. You gotta remember, there's dick spray painted all over it, and it was like fuck off, and rap sucks, and like all these rainbows, like and this shark fin on it, like it was this hellion fucking car that you know. So like it was definitely sticking out as it was like approaching the the toll booth going 50 miles an yeah. hour, flying through there, and uh, and so yeah, so uh, that was yeah, that was the hell car from Haggard. Oh God, that's <laughs> so. The joke was on you, essentially, pretty much. That's what it seems like. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times the joke was on me, or yeah, or, or really anybody that was inside of people that were fucking with it. <laughs> so after all that, 
you got into a huge fallout with Bam, and I I don't know where I heard. I feel like I heard off of like the commentary guys. I used to watch the commentary too because I know you. It was kind of like more of like the CKY thing, like more like the Radio Bam, like on like the DVDs, and like I heard something about that when like during an episode and. What was the like? What did you guys fight about? What was it like? Was it over like a girl or like what? Ha- I mean, I, I'm just like trying to like you know. Yeah, no, no, it's not like that. Like um, people have asked that so much over the years, and they always speculate and try and say like all this ridiculous shit. Like you'd be surprised at all the craziness that people write. Like oh, like I think that he slept with April, and that was why. And it's like you guys are fucking sick, you know? Like, <laughs> but. That's what trolls on the internet do, you know, sit around all day and come up with nonsense and, uh, and make stuff up. Now, realistically, um, all that really happened was that I kind of needed to bail, like, on what was happening. I, uh, I had drug and alcohol problems, right. and, and, uh, and we, were, we were fucking crazy, man. We were, we were doing a lot of drugs, we were drinking hard, and, and living an insane life. And, uh, and I basically had to get away from that situation to save my own life. You know, um, I uh, actually tomorrow I'll be nine years clean and sober, and uh, and tomorrow's my anniversary for for sobriety. And um, yeah, at that point, I just I needed to kind of get away, get out of that scene, and so I kind of just fell off the face of the earth and, and took care of myself, and and uh, and and you know, and and had to kind of step away from. From, from that scenario, I don't think there was anything like, you know, more than, than regular friendships, but people love to speculate that there was some kind of crazy falling out. It was more or less that we just kind of needed a break, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, most people don't uh, hang out with, with their friends every single day of their life, you know, and right. you usually see each other once or twice a week or whatever, you know, and you hang out a little bit here and there, and Throughout those years of, of, of CKY, Jackass, Viva La Bam, not really CKY, but more Jackass and Viva La Bam years, like every single day you're filming and you're around each other every day, dude, for, for five, six years straight. It, it got to a point where we all kind of needed a break from each other and and, uh, and everybody kind of went their separate directions. They, people focused on Bam and I, I think because we were the friends the longest, but um, but everybody kind of went their separate ways for a little while, retreated and just kind of needed to take care of themselves. And, and, and once that time kind of concluded, like everybody talks and everybody hangs out, like Bam and, and Nikki were at my wedding, you know, like it's like everybody is still close. Like Bam's my brother, man. And he always will be. And, right. uh, and, and same with, with Brandon, same with Ryan, same with Ray, same with Jess, Darren, Chad, Burn, you know, like all those guys, like are that way, and and, and the same thing with with Sivo and Pontius and and Dave and Aaron and and Preston and, and Jason, like and and you know and Knoxville and, and Tremaine, it's like there's a connection there forever in life, and and I love those guys, and so it's always made out like it's this crazy thing, but it, it wasn't. It was really just that I needed to take care of myself and, and, and uh, save my life, man. Like, I, I had a serious fucking problem, and uh, and I needed to take care of myself. So so I did. And, uh, and, and at those point in time, people would always say stuff, and I was like, well, I'm not going to respond to it because it's just nonsense, and I really just needed to kind of focus on getting better and getting healthy, you know? 
Well, congrats on nine years tomorrow, actually. That's like – Yeah, thanks, man. It's like the same thing with uh, Brandon Novak. Like, he was uh, he was in rehab, what, like 16, 17 times, and now, like, he's doing, like, what, like, amazing now. Like, after seeing, like, interviews on, like, Good Morning America and, like, yeah. he was on your podcast recently I just saw, and, like, it's just, like, if he can do it, anybody can do it. Like, I have a friend who's in the same boat. He's been in rehab at least like eight times, and yeah. he's in George W. Hill right now. Yeah, I think the thing is, is it's a choice, man. Like, if, if you want to do it, you probably can succeed at it. But if you, if it's like, if you need it, that doesn't matter. But if you want it, that's what matters. Like, there's a lot of people that need it. I needed it long before I got there. Novak needed it long before he got there. Steve-O needed it long before he got there. But when the desperation kicked in and, and each one of us was ready to make a change, that's what really made the difference. And, and uh, yeah, man, like, that's the way you see it. It's like, you know, someone like Novak who, you know, living in an abandoned house and shooting dope for 20 years, like, he's alive somehow because I guess there was another purpose for him and, and he's doing it right now and it's amazing, you know? Like, he, he's a brother of mine as well, man. I love that dude forever. And, and to witness that happen and, and to watch him do what he's doing it's incredible because uh because he's giving back you know yeah. like, it's like it's like a dude who shoots dope all those years is now like living an awesome life and he says the thing that really sticks with me a lot he says that that sobriety gave him everything the drugs and alcohol promised him and that's like that's a really awesome like you know statement because it's true man like the life i have now nine years later is incredible and, you know, and I had a lot of fun when I was out partying like a madman, too. I don't act like I didn't have fun then. I had a blast. But then it got dark. And then addiction really set in and, was, and turned on me and it became a problem. And it, it wrecked my life. But, like, prior to that, you know, when you're out living like a rock star, it was a lot of fun, you know. And, and, uh, and I can't deny that. But, but it, got, it went off the rails and, uh, and had to get things, under, you know, under control. And, and, and life is, is rad this way too like I, I have such an awesome life I, i'm a camera dude i travel the world i got married an incredible woman and uh and i have this awesome life that that i always wanted and uh and i got it from from uh giving up drugs and alcohol so it, it's rad and and uh and, and i watched that happen with steve i watched it happen because he's a little bit ahead of me in this and uh and then i watched it happen with novak and it, it was a little a little behind me and and, uh, and it's just cool to witness especially like if you are struggling with addiction, like it, it's really incredible to watch somebody, you know, work through that, get help from others right. in a program and be able to work through that and no longer be a slave to drugs and alcohol because that shit ruins your life. And it's always funny because I, I, I would be like, oh, like, you know, like, what, we're going to swan dive into an empty pool or this is your brain on drugs shit. You know, like when you're a kid, you see all these things and it never really made any sense. And the thing I always thought was like, dude, it's not, it's not like I, it's not like I smoked a little pot and then felt like I was Superman. It was that pot wasn't that much of anything. And then all of a sudden, cocaine's not that much of anything. And then all of a sudden, a little heroin's not that big deal. And then all these pills aren't, and none of it's not that big of a deal because you just slowly ride into it. Right. Like, and, and before you know it, you're fucking slave to that shit. And you, like, it's not like you were like, oh, like, I'm just going to go hard right away. Oh my God, I'm immediately addicted. You know, like, it, it's not, it doesn't work that way. It's just, it's this subtle thing that sort of creeps up on you. And, and before you know it, then like bad things. And that's if you're an addict. And, and a lot of people in college 
party like maniacs, drink like madmen, and and uh, and they're not addicts, and they can kind of get back into regular lives and drink regularly and, and smoke a little weed here and there, and, and that's cool. And like, and I don't frown upon any of that stuff. It's just I know for me, I'm an addict, and if and if if there's someone else out there that is, there's an awesome way to kind of live life, you know, without it. Right, and I mean. I've given up friendships with like many people. I used to be friends with these guys and like we would all like smoke pot, you know, drink and whatnot. And I was really, I, I was kind of bad. Like I would drink and like, I would like drive to my house and like the kid lived 20 minutes away. But like looking back, that was last summer. Looking back now, like I don't really drink as much because my girlfriend, her dad struggles, like struggle with alcoholism and all that. And like, she doesn't even talk to him anymore. So like she basically like saved me from like drinking my life away or like, potentially like hurting me or killing someone else. And like just like seeing like the changes I went through last year to here, it's like amazing now. Like, and seeing what like everyone's going through, like Brandon, for instance, like he cleaned up his life, you cleaned up your life, which is actually amazing. And like, it's just, I don't know, like a lot of people like fall in that little, like, I guess like alcohol drug addiction, like just like with a flip of the switch, essentially. That's what I'm getting yeah. at. I think, especially like if you are an addict, you know, everyone has a different belief on what that that means. But uh, for me, I think I was from from the get go. You know, like I, I eat candy like an addict. You know, like I I jump off roofs. I like the adrenaline rush like an addict. I'm, I'm that way. Like so, it's always been in me. But there's other people that you know they can take it or leave it. Right. Like a bunch. Um, said to me one time, he's like, dude, the difference between you and me is like the drugs and alcohol are the party for you. Like for me, it's just party favors. You know, like I could just be there hanging out and have a little, have a little bit. Like for you, that's the entire party. You know, and that's how it was. Like my whole focus was get drugs, get alcohol. Like I don't give a shit who's there. I don't care who I'm talking to. I just wanted to make sure I had enough of a buzz or enough of a high going on and and then that everything was good, you know, and, uh, and I don't know, it's just, like I said, I had a lot of fun in some of those years, but then it became depressing and dark and, and it's no way to live. And, and there's an easier, softer way if, if, uh, if you're open to it and willing to do the work, you know? Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, so after like pretty much like you left and all that, the death of Ryan happened. And I remember that they clearly like, as clear as possible like i think i was a junior in high school when it happened and uh i remember like a lot of facebook posts like what how did you hear about that like who did april call you or phil or like how did you hear like no how? um my one of my buddy aaron uh asher called me I mean, uh, well a lot of people called it was like five in the morning and a ton of uh calls and and texts and stuff i mean and he was like a mile from the crash site. Was a mile from where I was living. Oh, really? And like now, like, and it's just like after looking through all the year, like looking back and watching all you guys doing all this like crazy stuff. It just like it's amazing how, like, you know what I mean? Like nothing happened to you guys, but then like one night it just happens, just like that. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it it's happened to me too. Like I've had friends who were like killed because like a drunk driver hit them, or like back in 2012, like I was supposed to go out with these kids, I didn't go out. These two kids got killed in hit and run, right where I was supposed to be, and like it just like kind of shook me up a little bit. 
because like I always think like it could be me this time, you know. Yeah. I mean, so like you still like I know they're getting like better. Like I know how like hard it is like to lose somebody, and I know how like difficult it is for like you guys because you guys were like brothers and like been around with everybody. But has it gotten like better like ever since it happened? Like have you got you like have you gotten like used to it? I guess I, I don't know how to like really word this. Yeah, I think I think, uh, I think what happens. I think obviously, like you said, you lost people as well, and I think. Um, what you notice what happens especially in traumatic deaths like that um, you know obviously everyone grows old and dies and that's the natural thing and we all know death is a part of life but um, when it happens traumatically like that I think obviously it's extremely devastating and, and hard to deal with and then um, you know uh, like when Ryan died I was fucking numb for three months dude I don't remember three months like, I don't uh, remember from June 20th until, like, into the fall. Oh, wow. I, I just was in this blur. Of, and I was sober. You know? And that's another crazy part is I was a year and nine months sober when he died. And and, uh, and I don't remember those three months. I just remember this fucking blank, like, just fog. Yeah, no. Uh, and I think that every one of us experience to create you know that that devastating loss because it was a huge part of each one of our lives like ryan was a huge part of me you know and and uh and and that you know that never goes away obviously um i have a picture of him right here in my office and uh you know um you know i talk to him a lot and i and i think about a lot of the funny times and all that good stuff and um but I think as time goes and life goes and you lose a lot of friends and you lose people like that, especially, you know, drugs, alcohol, all those things take people from it. And, um, and as that goes, you learn to carry it. I don't think it ever goes away, but you learn to carry that loss. And, uh, and some days you're like, like with Ryan, I'd say like now at this point, you know, um, like, you know, seven and some odd years later, like, a lot of the time when I think of Ryan, it's happy thoughts, good stuff, and uh, every once in a while, I'll get bummed out, but like, but in the beginning, it was just total bum for a long time, and then, and then you started to get happy, and it was actually Spike uh, Jones from, from Jackass stuff, like, he was actually one of the dudes that got me to be the, fir the first time I started laughing about Ryan. It was at his service, like, he was like, dude, what about some of the funny shit, like, what was the funniest time, and like, and I thought of this time, I was talking with him about it, and we started cracking up, and that was the first thing that kind of got me laughing. And, uh, and and that was, like, a good thing. It's, like, because it hurt so bad, but, like, at the same time, you go to that place of realizing, like, dude, this dude's lived an incredible life. I feel lucky as hell that I've spent so much time with him and, and got to have such an amazing life together. And, and, uh, and so I just cherish those memories, and... A lot of my memories of Ryan have nothing to do with the camera. They have nothing to do with the TV show. They have nothing to do with any of that stuff. But it's all about, like, the actual personal connection with him. Right. And um, so, so that, you know, I think it was a little odd because I've had other friends die, but I never had a friend die that, that had notoriety. So there's a lot of people weighing in on it, how they feel about this and that, whatever. And, and you just kind of got to take that shit with a grain of salt. And, uh, and, and then just, you know, go through what you're going through. And, 
And uh, I did some grief counseling and some other things with, with him because uh, I, you know, I was struggling and, uh, and I was sober and, and my normal thing would be to do drugs and numb that shit. And I couldn't, I had to stay sober. So like, so I did that, you know, and, and, uh, but like I said, now at this point in time, I, I have good, good memories. Still hard to believe sometimes that you're never going to just see him again. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, but, but the nice thing about Rye is there's tons of footage and tons of pictures and, and there's people on Instagram that have like accounts that like, like I think it's called or something and they like they always put up pictures of them and I, I love seeing that shit man. It, it makes me happy and it gives me like funny thoughts and, and uh, there's so many good funny times with him that, that it's, it's hard to be sad for too long right yeah no I get that feeling man I mean I had the same thing with those guys and then with my grandmother because she died back in 2014 and I was in that like you know, emotional state, and, uh, actually got a tattoo, like, to remember her this year, actually, and, uh, nice. but, um, so, to get, like, on, so to get to, like, more, like, I guess, like, happier, like, subject, I guess, so, you're doing a podcast where, I guess it's, like, the same theme as, like, what I'm doing, essentially? I don't know, what is the theme? So, like, I'm interviewing, like, you know, singers, songwriters, people who are on TV, like, you know, whoever does something cool, pretty much. Like, what what's your podcast more about? Like, what what have you been doing? Uh, my, my podcast is called Bathroom Break Podcast, and basically that everybody poops. So I sit down with people, and we talk about whatever it is you're into. And, and, uh, and also just kind of... You know, like, not that, like, my wife and I sat and did an episode basically on, like, farting while you're sleeping and shitting with the door open, you know? And so, like, uh, we have a fun relationship like that where we just goof around and, and you don't take ourselves too seriously. And, and uh, so we talk about that. Then I, I, this week I just had a friend of mine, Tommy Aloni, he's a documentary filmmaker. He made uh, The Bill Mary Stories, which just is coming out right now. And uh, he also made I Am Santa Claus and Ghost Hands. Um, so he's done a lot, he's had some successful documentaries on Netflix and, and, uh, Amazon Prime and those things. And, um, so we talk about the process of making films on that episode. Uh, I sat down with Rick Kosick, who's a camera guy from Jackass. And he's also like, you know, super well-known skateboard photographer for Big Brother Skateboard Magazine and right. stuff with, with Chad Muska and all this. And he's, he's got like legendary photos, man. And, uh, so we sat and talked about that stuff and. Yeah, it's just kind of the idea is everybody poops, you know, and everybody's got a story. So, uh, so I, I love to sit down with 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 anyone, uh, you know, with, with because when you think about anybody, somebody walking down the street has an incredible life story that you know nothing about, and so it's so that was what was inspiring to to want to do that, you know, with the podcast, and uh, and it kind of just got me a, a little bit of an outlet, you know, for all these years since. Um, since the Jackass, Beagle uh, of Am days, I have been like, you know, doing my own little projects, but I've also been a camera guy. You know, that's like that's my day job, and uh, and so it's rad because it's a creative life. But but at the same time, I had always like kind of performed in front of a camera, you know, for, since I was ten years old. So there was like a little something missing, and I'm like, man, maybe you know, maybe a podcast might be something fun to do. So. Uh, so I decided to do that, and we, we started that, and, uh, and that's been fun, man. It's, it's kind of opened things up. I, I went up, like, my, my buddy who's a comedian, he came on the first episode, and 
and he uh, and he was like, dude, you said you always wanted to get up on stage and try comedy, but you never did it. And I was like, yeah, I always wanted to do it. He's like, well, how about on the 24th? And I was like, oh, shit. So, like, I got called out, and then and then I did it. You know, and I went up on stage and did, did, a, I did 10 minutes, and, uh, and it was a lot of fun, and got some laughs, and, and, uh, and I had a blast, and it was something I always wanted to try. So I got to try it, and I feel like that was a result of starting this, this podcast thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we're, we're going to actually start filming some more skits uh, here in, in November when I finish the show that I'm doing right now. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to come back to Westchester and shoot a couple little things with uh, Di Camillo and, and uh, Rake and stuff and then uh, put those up on YouTube and stuff and, and just kind of just kind of getting going again a little bit just to have like a little bit of an outlet, like a creative outlet. Um, I think, you know, in those years, it was tough because – after you do Jackass and after you do Evil Man, like you, you have an image and everyone goes, "Oh, Brad, you're the guy that shits on things." I only want to see you shitting on things, and, and like, it's fun. It was funny. It was a blast. But, um, but I feel like maybe they forgot about the fact that like TKY was a bunch of stuff. You know, it was like skits. It was the Jackass type stuff. It was all this. So like, you weren't limited. You know, and um, and I think so. It made me a little bit camera shy for a minute because I was like, I, it was hard to try to do what people wanted you to do, but you're like, I, I want to do stuff that makes me laugh. That's what we started doing in the beginning, and and I'm just going to try that. So um, so that's what we're doing at this point. It's like just setting up some skits and some things that we want to do that are just, you know, just for the fun of it and not, not looking for, for anything out of it or whatever, but just, you know, might put them out on YouTube if people want to check them out. But, but, uh, but yeah, it's kind of a fun, like, new beginning, you know, because, like, uh, been a lot of years where I was kind of just off the map, off the radar, and, and it's been fun to just kind of go, okay, let's try this thing again, man. You know, like yeah. something that I've loved my whole life, and, and I and I always will. Definitely. I mean, you did actually. You just kind of answered my question, my other question, but I mean, that's what I'm doing. That's what I like about this. Like, I get people's stories. Like, usually, like you'll get like an interview where it's just like, oh yeah, you're a singer. You've been singing for like 20 years, this, that, and the third. But like, I like going deep in depth. Uh, that's the word I'm looking for. I like going deep into people's stories because like it's you never get that and like you find a lot of interesting people with interesting stories like you, you find people who are either like I was on drugs for like 10 years now I'm like off drugs or I'm a rapper I open up for like Eminem and it's just like that's what I like that's why I like doing what I'm doing like I go deep into people's stories and they tell me like everything and like it's all like positivity positivity and like it's just like pumps me up for like what I'm like going to be going through in the next like couple years like for for instance I'm planning to go to LA and move like live out there um in the next like year or so because I just want to like pursue my like dream and like interviewing people and like getting like my name out there pretty much and all that stuff and it's just like amazing that like you know it's just like amazing like what like you can like hear and like how like it affects like people like you know what I mean people because like that's what i've noticed with the podcasting dude is like i have these friends that i've been friends with my whole life and then if you just sit one-on-one -on -one for an hour and talk to them it's like you learn all this new stuff about them like well i didn't even know that you know <laughs> i've known you for 25 years you know <laughs> and it's like, but it's fun it's good cool. that's what's been really cool about the podcast deal and, and doing that and yeah, I mean, after watching you, like I've learned a lot of new stuff about like you and I like, you know what I mean? Like I've learned stuff from like the radio show and the TV show. And, but like after talking with you for about like an hour in like the next couple of seconds, like 
I've learned a whole lot about you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, it's fun, man. It's cool. But I mean, hey, like, this is actually like one of my favorite interviews ever. Like, honestly, I truly am like thankful for you, like, actually like coming on my show, giving me like the hour to, you know, chat and all that. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It's been fun. It's been cool to, to talk and, and uh, I get to know you. And, and, dude, good luck with everything for real. Like, if you do come out here, get in touch with me. Like, I don't know if you're trying to do production stuff, but get in touch with me and just reach out if you, if you do move out here. Definitely. Um, I mean, I would also like, you know, like eventually I do want to like interview the whole CKY cast eventually, like Brandon Rake and, I've, but like everyone's like all busy now, you know what I mean? Yeah. I have been trying to get Bam every now and then, but you know, he's like, you know, I can never really get a hold of him essentially, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, hopefully that will happen eventually, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure if you're persistent about it, you'll make it happen. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Well, th- thanks. Yeah, thanks again, though, for coming on um, and all that. Absolutely. I actually liked hearing your story. You know, we got to, you know, learn a lot. And yeah, thanks. Thank you. Cool. Hell yeah, dude. Thanks. I appreciate it. No problem. And yeah, if, once I move out there, like once I like get everything settled, I'll definitely hit you up. You know, I have my camera. I do my vlogs on YouTube and I do this also. So, you know. Hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Sounds good, man. Definitely. All right. See you around, man. All right. Take care. Later. All right, guys. That was it for today's episode. It was an hour long. Wow, that is actually really great. I'm actually going to post this on YouTube. So that's it for this week's episode. I am done. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Chris Rabb. Great episode. Nicest guy. We took a little intermission, but, you know, that's how it's going to work. So I'm done today. Hope you guys enjoyed this video. Like, subscribe, go on all my social media websites right here. I am to see you guys next week for a new episode. Deuces, fam. Her body's more like September. She burns through the night like an ember. And all those things we try forgetting, I remember. But we say we all fine, we all fine. Sunny day dreams and we up now. What's poppin', everybody? Welcome back to TJTV. This is episode 133, guys. Um... This video it was supposed to be about an hour and a half long. It like I don't know where the file went or why it cut out, but it cut out a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, I do want to thank Joe Franz for you know letting me you know give him an interview and all that stuff. Um, I will explain a little bit after video where we left off and what we talked about afterwards and what he's up to. Um, once again, I am sorry for all my stuff cutting out. I don't know why my laptop was acting up really badly. Um, but I lost a good, uh, half hour, uh, yeah, I lost a good half hour worth of, uh, footage and interview stuff. But, um, like I said, I'm deeply sorry. Um, so here's the interview right now. Hope you enjoy it. And, uh, I'll talk to you guys after once it's over. So, yeah. Welcome back to TJ TV episode 133. I'm here with Joe Francis. This is my second. Biggest... Actually, it's France. France. Oh, oh well. Hey. This is like my second. Phonetically, it's France, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it was actually uh, uh, when my ancestors came here from Sicily, it was France. But uh, see, back then, it was a little bit different. Yeah. So you would move in with neighborhoods full of your own ethnicity. That's You would move into the neighborhood they told you to move in. Yeah. And so we were Sicilian, but they wanted us to fit in with the Germans. Right. So they said, 
you now have a German name. Don't tell anyone you're Sicilian, you'll get killed. So uh, we became German, so that oh, wow. became Franz. Well, anyways, you are my second biggest guest, next to rap, so. Of course. Um, how, are you, how are you doing, man? Like, what have you, good. What have you been up to? Um, nothing. I've noticed by he has some trophies on the wall. I was pretty impressed. He's a third degree black belt. Yeah, that's. A, I don't think anybody's. Ever, maybe they do. So what do you do if someone grabs you like this? Okay, you're in the wild while someone says, "Hey, man, what do you do?" Just do that. And then, and what? then well, don't really do oh, it. Well, well, do I'm it in slow it. motion. Okay, right, so, so I'm just like, like do that. Okay, and then I can just like do that. that or and then stuff. I double over. Then you hit me in the nose. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I was going to do. Let's do it in slow motion. Hey, you, you punk. And then. There you go. You follow up. Okay, I knew there was a follow up. Um, so, what was my childhood like? Was that the question? Yeah. What like what was your childhood like? My childhood was um, lonely. I was um, um, I, for some reason I was never allowed to leave the house. My parents had uh, a fear that I would get murdered, and I didn't know there were any other kids my age in my neighborhood. And um, I watched a lot of television. Okay. And then when I went to grade school, when I was in seventh grade, the kid next to me in class, his name was Robert Kleiner, and he wrote, we had to write a little bit about ourselves, and, and they, our teacher said, write about what you want to do when you get older, and he wrote that he wanted to be a filmmaker, and I was like, you're allowed to just be a filmmaker? Like, you're allowed to do that? Like, I didn't know, and he was like, yeah, I guess, people do it, so I wrote that down, and then I, um, took me a long time to reach that goal. But I ended up achieving that goal, and so that's that's about the size of it. Um, I grew up in an abusive household. My father was a very angry person. Um, uh, there was a lot of screaming and some violence. Um, but um, you know, so when, as I grew older, I never wanted to have a job. I have a life where I where there was a lot of stress. Right. Um, I always wanted to have relationships that were very productive and very healthy. So naturally I gravitated towards people who like to work hard and be creative. Oh wow. Yeah. So did you go to school? Like like when you wanted to do a film, did you go to Temple? Yeah, so I graduated from really high and then I went to Temple University because see back then it was crazy, there was no internet, right? Right. So you didn't know where the, I didn't know that there was like UCLA I didn't know there was like USC. Like I didn't know there were film schools. I didn't know that it was NYU. I knew that there were, all I knew there were two schools at all for film. One was, I think it's Syracuse, and the other one was Temple. Right. That was it. My teacher was like, you have two schools at all for film. Because the teach, because I'm sorry, the, the guidance counselor who was supposed to advise you on this stuff, they didn't know about the, those other schools. Right. Because they were just, they, they weren't used to people who wanted to do film. Right. So I thought there were only two colleges in the world that offered film program, Temple and this other one. I think it was uh, Scranton or something like that. Anyway, so I decided to go to Temple because it was closer to home. And um, I spent uh, three years there. It was two years before I was ever allowed to touch a camera. And back then it was a lot different. So you went to a university because that's where the knowledge was, right? So now you have the internet. Right. So I can Google in filmmaking and learn how to make a film by watching other people make films. Back then, you couldn't even get a movie with like a director's commentary on it. There was no, as a matter of fact, my first two years of film school, there were only two people who, who visited our classes that were actually filmmakers. Right. Other than talking to our teachers about the, the independent films they were making, talking to a filmmaker was rare. 
So by the time I graduated, again, so what you would do to get a job was you would wait for a newspaper to come from New York City. Well, first you go through the phone book. Right. And you look at, like, shooting weddings because that was the only job there was. Uh, yeah, there was that at QVC. QVC was a home, your original home shopping network. Right. So they would have like your little infomercials. They would sell you like necklaces of the Cafe de Monte, King of the Hobo, statue and statues and that kind of stuff and jewelry. And women would sit there with credit cards and phone in orders. So that was a local job. They gave me a rejection letter and I, I think I kept it. I looked for it a couple months ago. I couldn't find it. But uh, so I couldn't get a job shooting weddings because I had no experience. Right. And so what you would do is you would wait, you would get a newspaper from New York City. And you would go to the library and get that newspaper, and then you would look at the want ads of different job descriptions. Right. Usually production assistance was the only thing I was qualified for. So then um, you would send them your resume in a letter. Okay. Sometimes they would have a fax machine, but it was very rare. Right. So you would send them a letter, and then they would just never get back to you, and you never get hired. Oh, wow. So then I decided I was going to be a teacher. And um, because I had dropped out after three years of college, uh, it was depressing. Um, the reason I didn't like college was because I had never met more people in one place that were less interested in learning. Right. Temple, unfortunately, was full of kids who loved to party and drink beer and waste their parents' money and tuition. See, I did the same thing. Oh, you did? So I went to Delco, Delco mm -hmm. County, for four years. Uh -huh. I've completely fucked up my first semester. And then my dad made me pay it. What'd you take? I took communications. Mm-hmm. And like I, when I went to Delaware County, like I took my placement test, I just completely bombed the placement test, got into the lowest math, lowest reading. I was like, whatever, dude, I don't really care. Yeah. Went there for four years. Then I went to Westchester. Okay. And I sat in class one day, and this is when me and Tori were like dating. So I'm sitting there in class, and it's like about it's communication theory. It's about the theory of how people communicate. Like, say sure. me and you. I talk communications. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like I'm sitting in class, I'm like the fuck am I doing here yeah so I'm just like babe I'm like I want to leave she's like what do you mean I was like I want to get out of school what did you want to do YouTube this because I've been doing this for three four years now. okay so what year are we talking about when did that when did last December okay 2017. so it's all very recent yeah okay so now it is January of 2018 so this is last year 2017 yeah okay gotcha so then I just started doing YouTube my first uh, video ever which is actually premiered a year today which is like awesome. going to Satansville, thank you. And then I hit, at some point, my goal was to hit 1,000 subscribers. I'm at 1.5K, yeah. or 1.5, whatever. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, that's really great. Yeah, congratulations. So then, thank you once again. Um, so then I was like, you know, commercials are a good idea. Because I've listened to like you guys, I've listened to like other people, like Gary B, for instance, I listen to him every now and then. I asked Randy, because I interviewed him on my show. Randy Bates. Randy Bates. Yeah. Of Arasafa Farms, <laughs> where we filmed the CKY music videos. We filmed uh, uh, scenes from Jackass, MTV's Blastazoid. We filmed a lot of stuff there. Randy Bates is a hell of a guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a lot of Viva La Bam, too. Yeah. Um, then I asked him, I was like, hey, like, can I film for you guys, like a commercial or something? So he was like, why don't we do, like, I think it was like a how-to video, and like I'm not experienced with filming, editing. I suck at it, so I did it. And when I first did the like whole like, you know, 
how-to video. It was an hour and a half worth of footage. And, like, a lot of editing. It took me at least a good eight hours to edit that. And mm-hmm. I was just like, whoa, like, yeah, this is something I kind of want to do. Editing's intense. It is. But it's very fun, too. And, like, it's original to me. Mm-hmm. That's why when I do my, like, vlogs, like, I'll do... I don't really like doing, like, big videos, like, on YouTube. Like, it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather do, like, videos, like, the real-life version of me. Mm-hmm. And, like, many people always think that, like, oh, you're fake. I'm like, no, like, this is a real-life version. Yeah. And that's my, that was my entire goal. Cool. I didn't want to be in school because, you know. Yeah. Well, school is great. College is great if you want to round out your education with a- academics. Right. And you uh, you have someone to mentor you. You know, that's one thing that you lack from watching uh, DVD and Blu-ray commentaries, making ofs, and people on the internet who teach you how to do things. You know, right. one of the one of the things you gain from a college is your education is rounded out. Um, one of the things that I learned that I, I was pleasant, pleasant, pleasant surprise was completely unexpected. Was like intellectual heritage, um, you know, like uh, reading um, Aristotle and Plato and, and learning about the works of Socrates and Shakespeare and um, learning about the Bible and the Quran and like you know all of these. And, and I, I took a lot of religions courses and a lot of philosophy. And I learned things that I didn't have the wisdom of knowing that this body of knowledge existed until people sat me down and taught me. And I, I'm forever grateful to have uh, had that experience because um, a, a good teacher will teach you not only facts. So the worst, okay, let me back up. The worst type of teaching is someone who tells you to memorize facts. Right. And don't round it out with anything. So the best way you can learn is when someone teaches you how to critically think for yourself. They present you with facts and tell you different ways to to look at them. You know, there is no right or wrong side of history. You know, there's only certain ways of, of looking at the world. I found that one of the most valuable ways I could learn about history, because I'm dyslexic as well. A lot of people don't know that. I suffer from dyslexia. And it was bad when I was a kid. And then it kind of, when you have dyslexia, it kind of tapers off when like you're in your 20s yeah. and then it comes back later on in life. So as far as learning dates and all that stuff, I couldn't do it. But one of the things that really helped me was um, atlases. So historical atlases. So it's like you're not only learning history, but you're learning it through geography. And I was like, oh, so that's why Hitler couldn't get over the Alps. You know, like that's yeah. why Hitler couldn't invade because he had the Alps, you know, right. it's like, you know, that kind of stuff where like, you know, when you're, when you're looking at the way, um, Europe was dissected many times over between world war one and world war two, it's like, now I understand what the hell Auschwitz terrain was or whatever the, all those different yeah. weird countries that don't <laughs> exist anymore. So anyway, I'm totally uh, digressing. Uh, I do that a lot. So, yeah. um, it's fine. Yeah, education is a fine thing. So if you're going to learn about film and that kind of stuff, that's cool. But always learn about other things, right? So there's there's art, there's poetry, there's politics, there's philosophy, there's relationships, sociology, and psychology. Learn about all the ologies, and uh, you'll find yourself in a lot better of a place. And if you only learn one thing, right? I did take a film class at Delaware uh, Delaware County. Though. Oh yeah, I took. It was called film language. Hmm. So it was basically we had to like memorize shots. The angles, bird's eye view, uh, I can't remember. Um, anyways, but like we had to watch scenes from movies. Like for one movie, it was called uh, The Sixth Sense. 
Mm-hmm. I forget what scene it was, but we had to watch like a scene there and like talk about the shots that they did, and then we had to do the same thing for Raging Bull and Rocky Bull. We had to compare and contrast. That's awesome. And like that was like that was a real fun class. Yeah, that's super helpful. It, yep. it was online though, but I like I like classes online because I feel like I could do be more independent like that. But I learned a lot just from like that class. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the filming got started with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that's what I'm kind of want to go for. Mm-hmm. Like, because I have so many things I want to do, but like, film seems more like it's just like more creative. You have like a lot of creativity, and you could like, yeah. you know, build yourself off. Yeah, you can express yourself through film uh, a lot differently than any other medium, for sure. You know, one of the things about film is now that's very interesting with the advent of all these new technologies. You see, when I was a kid, it was very it was astronomically expensive. Yeah. So nowadays, for the price of one semester of college you can buy your whole uh, a film studio right you can buy the, the even if it's a webcam those the web this this logitech webcam you have here this little thing is like 10 times the quality of the vhs that we had access to right so that's why i learned how to shoot motion picture film that was that was the thing it's like that's was so it was astronomically expensive for every one minute of film that rolled through that camera, it's a hundred bucks. Yeah, I remember. I heard something like that. Crazy. So I learned. I so everyone has to have a niche. So my niche was if I learn how to shoot film and I learn how to do it better than anyone in town, I could probably make something happen out of it. You know. So I, I, it was. I was 26 by the time anyone would hire me. So I got a job at a at a photo mat. See, back then you would take a picture and a camera, right. and then you get a roll of film. Then you take the film to a chemical lab, like a, it's called they were called photomats or camera shop incorporated, and you would get it developed and you would get prints. I was the dude who did that, and that's how I learned negatives. So I was getting paid about seven dollars an hour right. in order to to learn this medium. Then I got a job at NFL Films. Then I made a reel, and then all of a sudden, uh, I got my first indie job when I was 26, and by 28, I was traveling the world shooting film right so paid a lot of dues so how old were you when you start well actually i want to back up for that i heard on the bathroom break podcast i believe your first you went to some like i they were filming something i can't remember the movie but you went and filmed and you said you were like uh, i think you were like an intern you like lied to and you were an intern you had to go to the bathroom and then you oh that out. was that was chasing amy chasing amy yes so that was kevin smith's chasing amy so I was, uh, it's weird, I didn't tell the story for fucking years till we, I went on Rab's Bathroom Break podcast, yeah. but I went and I told it by accident. I, it's, it's always something I, I, I never thought about sharing with anyone. But anyway, so I had never worked in film before. I believe I was 20, 23 or 24. Okay. And I went to the coffee shop. So that was the, the, like a Borders books. Right. And so that was where the filmmaking magazines were. Right. So there was like in, indie filmmaker magazines and like there was one I think just called Filmmaker and like there was, uh, you know, there's magazines. There was only a couple. So I go there and check them out. The girl behind the counter, I got to know, know her. She said, Kevin Smith's making his new film. He's making Chasing Amy. And uh, and I was like, where's that filming? She's like, at a place called Red Bank, New Jersey. And I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> So I got in my car. Now, 
There's no phones back then. Right. You don't have a cell phone. You certainly don't have a fucking uh, map thing in your car. You don't have any kind of technology. Right. So I went to toll booths and asked toll booth people how to get to Red Bank, New Jersey. I bought a map and got there. I got lost like 19,000 times. And uh, by the time I got there, yeah, so I, I uh, there was, uh, I go into this in detail on the rap, on Rab's Bathroom Break podcast, but uh, there was a point when I had to take a piss and uh, I, I couldn't find the bathroom and there was nowhere to go outside. Yeah. And after an hour of looking for the bathroom, I pissed in the closet of, okay, so when you, when you, when you look at the movie Chasing Amy, there's a scene where they, they're, they're in their comic book studio and they're drawing and stuff. And, and so there's a door in the background and that's the closet. And I pissed in the fucking closet because I couldn't, I couldn't go outside. Yeah. There were cops everywhere and there was all these crew people. <laughs> and it was, oh, dude, it was, that was, uh, I hope Kevin Smith doesn't find out about that. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then that's when you went to, didn't, didn't you meet up with Bam afterwards, like in a couple of more years? Yeah, that was, that? Um, I met up with those guys in 1998 or 1999. It was, I think it was 1998. And uh, that's when we did, uh, so yeah, I met, I was producing this Bikini Girl film. Right. For my boss, I worked in advertising back then, so my boss okay. had this these films that he would make called the Bikini Bandits, and it was pretty. They were a lot of fun to work on. He he was he wasn't shy about uh about a good production quality and throwing money at it. Right. So you know he had a lot of money. Um, a very smart guy, a hard guy to work for. His name was Steve Grass. He owned a place called Gyro Worldwide, an ad agency, and they were the only game in town. And he was great at his job. Um, he was hard to work for because, and I appreciate this, and I always appreciate it. He gave me, he he gave me a shot. He was, he saw my my little film reel that I made, and he's like, "Look, you're making these weird independent films. I can put you to work." He goes, "You're going to sink or swim." So he goes, "I'm going to throw you into the fire, and see if you burn. I'm going to throw you in the water. Literally, you'll sink or swim. You'll get fired in a week, or you'll have a place with us." Wow. So I was like, "I won't let you down." So he's like, "All right, uh, I'm going to give you a budget. Start booking your flights." I was like, I'm like, shit, I never booked a flight before. I've never been out of Ridley Park. I've never been out of Philadelphia. I've never been out of the state, you know? Yeah. So now I'm going, he has me going to London and France and New Zealand and Japan and all this stuff. So anyway, I'm working for him doing these films called the Bikini Bandits about these chicks in bikinis with machine guns robbing convenience stores. It's a ridiculous concept, <laughs> but it was fun as hell to work on. And uh, so I was producing that and Bam and Ryan Dunn showed up. Right. And uh, Bam said, Hey, my name's Bam. I don't know if you ever heard of me, but uh, he goes, I know that you shoot film, and my brother wants to make a music video. He's in a band called CKY, right. and the band's called ninety. The band's called CKY, and the music video is called Ninety Six Quite Bitter Beings. And uh, I was like, Well, do you have a script and a storyboard? He goes, Well, I know what that stuff is, but I don't have any of that stuff. So I was like, What do you want to do? And he's telling me about kicking his brother off a bicycle and stunts. And I was like, well, how, how are we going to do these stunts without anyone getting hurt? He goes, well, we just, we don't fake it. We just do it and we get hurt. And I was like, so your brother's going to cruise down the street on a bicycle. You're going to run up and Captain Kirk run and kick him off the bicycle. And he goes, yeah. And then he's talking about 
crashing a car into a bridge. I was like, well, what about permits? I was like, well, how are we going to get the car? And how are we going to get permits and right. insurance? He goes, fuck oh. it. We're just going to buy a car for $100 and crash it into the bridge. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm there. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I don't have any, any money to pay you. I said, don't worry. As long as you pay for the film, I'll enjoy shooting the film because the film's so fucking expensive. I can't afford to do it myself. Yeah. And that video got on Total Request Live. And it was a full rotation on MTV. And, uh, yeah, so that started, that kind of kicked off our relationship. And that's how, that's when you started filming the CKY. That blossomed into the CKY videos. Um, there was a, another shooter at the time, Ryan G, who I sold him my first Bolex camera, 16 millimeter camera. And he started traveling Europe. And so they needed uh, a new cinematographer. They needed, so they got me and they, you know, and, um, yeah, so that blossomed, we did the CKY videos and we did Hager the movie and that blossomed into, you know, then we started doing Viva La Bam. Right. And uh, all that other stuff, you know, yeah. a whole little wave of entertainment that lasted for about eight, nine years. You guys and the a- reason, there's a reason I'm blowing this when I, you'll notice when I smoke this, I blow it into my shirt. That's because his parents are downstairs and I don't want them to smell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I got a month plus here to love it anyway, so <laughs> less than that. <laughs> we'll come in here. Uh-huh. If my sister goes back to the garage, she'll, she's like, twins, but. Oh, yeah? If they're in here, mom's just, I don't know. Incense. The neighbors are, are burning incense. No, they do. They actually smoke weed. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh. And so like, I, like we had the window open in the summer, and she's like, "Babe, I'm like, what?" She's like, "I smell weed." I'm like, I, I, I don't know what weed smells like because I never smoked." <laughs> <laughs> but you guys got away with a lot of shit, though. Like some of the things I saw, like I was 13, 14, mind you, and like I was watching this, I was like, "You guys got away with that?" And like listening to you guys on the show, I'm like, "Is that actually like true?" Like, well, some of the shit we didn't get away with, like on Viva La Bam when we brought the elephant to the, the, I mean, we brought an elephant on set, and so there was, Bam was supposed to build a castle and a moat in his parents' house. Right. And so he, he turns the house into a fucking castle. So it's like the art department comes, they make this big paper mache and wood castle wall around the house. And then we, for some reason, someone wanted to bring an elephant. So we got an elephant. And so, yeah, the, the, they, uh, find us with all kinds of ordinances, illegal construction. Um, uh, they actually created a sound ordinance law just over our show because really? they didn't like the noises we were making. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the neighbors, when Bam lived at the castle, a lot of the neighbors would call the cops. They would sit there with a telescope, like looking at what we were doing right. at night. And there's naked girls in the pool, we're drinking, we're smoking weed and all this stuff. And they would be like, I'm so offended at what I am seeing. It's like, we'll put down the telescope. So then they call the cops. It was a mess. But some of the stuff we did get away with, like in when we did CKY3, we rented a 35 millimeter camera. Right. Now, you're talking expensive. So it's not $100, it's $200 for every minute of film that goes through there. So we got to lay the hammer down because we only had it for two days. Right. So the camera is this big. It weighs like 40 pounds, oh, and so we're going, we wanted to do a, a shopping cart slam sequence, right. all in 35 millimeter film. So we literally went from, and what's the one place you're going to have a shopping cart? And that's the, the grocery store. So we went from grocery store to grocery store. So at first, and cell phones were new back then, and people were dying to use them. 
So it's like they would see us do it, they quit call the cops. And it's like, we're not hurting anybody, we're hurting ourselves. Yeah. We call the cops. <laughs> so then we'd see the cops come in the parking lot. So we'd all jump in different vehicles and scoot out the back because there's always two entrances and exits to every uh, grocery store. Right. So one thing cops love to do is stick together. I don't know why they do it. Cops, when cops come get you, they always come together. Like they never, not one cop will ever radio to his buddy, hey, um, uh, uh, hey, uh, you go in the front, I'll go in the back, we'll block them in. Yeah. No, they want to pull up like a big, like a parade procession. It's crazy. So we go to, we every place we went to, by the time we got to the next grocery store, right. there were more cop cars. By the end of the day, there was a parade of a dozen local police, township, borough, and state trooper cars coming to get us. And we could see them from a mile away. So, so you know, we do a chopping cart slam. We, we get it on film. Oh, here they come. Let's go out the back, guys. See you at the next place. It was so we... It was up. Yeah, we didn't get caught. It was, it was amazing. But incidentally, cops love CKY. Really? They'll bust you while you're doing it. But after the tape's out, they love it. And if you ever get pulled over in traffic and they're like, you're one of the dudes who put the CKY thing out. Oh, my God, that is so fun. Like, they love it. Yeah. It's crazy. But while you're doing it, they, it is their job to uh, maintain order in the right. community and arrest you while you're doing it. Yeah. But after it's out on film, they love it. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's all cops. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then that got it, then you got into Jackass and filmed it then. Yep. What was that like? I so as far as Jackass went, I so I didn't work on Jackass one because I was doing the post production work on Haggard. Okay. And I always regret not being able to work on Jackass one, but it was either it was do Haggard or do Jackass, and I couldn't do both, so I had to pick one, and I, I didn't want Haggard to wait. I wanted to get that out, you know. So, um, so I did Jackass two, two point five. Three and three point five, you know, and Dimitri and Rick Kosick were the main filmer guys. So I was like a stringer. So it's like they kind of had their whole their jackass crew, and it was like you know the L.A. guys, and then there was us, the Westchester guys. So we would come in, and it was like this weird. It was weird because like Stevo and Novak kind of had a rivalry because right. Stevo was the Novak of the L.A. crew. Yeah. Novak was the Novak of our crew. So it's like those two always had a rivalry going over like who was going to get the best shots. And it was like, and you always had to be prepared on what's going on around you. Right. Like, so if you're holding a camera, so there's two things when you're filming with Jackass that you have to understand. There's, there's two alternate universes. There's what you're filming and what is really, what you're really filming. Right. And you never know what you're really filming. So the joke could be on you. It's like, you might think that you're filming Johnny Knoxville going to get kicked in the balls, but little do you know, there's a dude coming up with a boxing glove behind your head and it's going to punch you in the back of the head. Right. You know? So whenever there's a camera pointed at you, even if someone's holding a camera like this and that lens is pointed at you, you got to be like this because they're, they're filming something behind your back. Right. So I, I was never a victim to any of those pranks because I, you know, ha having 
grown up, like, you know, being a, uh, a Philadelphia guy, you're always kind of, aware. it's a violent city. Yeah, yeah, you're always aware of what's going around, and you don't really get distracted. That doesn't go away. I went to Academy Park, so, like, oh, okay. you know, imagine yeah. 2009. I went in, I was safe. My sister actually saved me. She was like, are you guys going to protect my brother? Well, they didn't really protect me. They just, like, wanted me to go out and party and shit. But <laughs> I would always be, like, looking around, like, I still do. Even in Newtown Square, like, because the guys I work with, they're just, like, getting out of high school. I'm just like, this could be bad. Mm-hmm. This could be really, really bad. bad. So so you can identify. So, yeah, basically, um, uh, like, like when we filmed Jackass 3, they have the Rocky gag, right. which is you take a glass of water, so it's like, you think you're being interviewed or something, or you think you're filming something, and someone comes up with a glass of water, splashes in the face, you turn this way, then they punch you with a boxing glove on. So there was like 20 minutes where they were trying to get me. And so I would be like, I'm just going to keep them on the run. I'm going to act uh, ignorant. Right. I'm going to act like I'm not onto it, and then move at the last second and frustrate the hell out of them. So I would, like, stand there and, like, fiddle with the camera. You know, I kind of have, like, my peripheral vision on it. I could sense someone coming up. I'd be, like, messing with the camera. Then I'd be like, <sighs> I'd look at the angle of the sun. I'd walk over here and act like I was taking a different angle. And then I could see him in the background going, like, get pissed off. Then it would come <laughs> up and get behind me again. Then I'd be like, I'd look at the sun again and try and get a different angle, move over here. So it was, uh, just, yeah. it was, you know, it was pretty fun. One of the things that, that was never... It was on camera, but it, we didn't use it for anything. And we always thought it was the, it was fucking Knoxville, Wee Man, Preston, Danger Aaron, like the whole CKY crew. Right. I mean, the whole Jackass crew was there. And Brandon Novak was telling a story. So I did one of my favorite gags to him, and it's so simple. You take a long piece of grass, right. and you pluck it out, and you kind of tap you stand behind them and you kind of tap their ear and they you know how you think when a bug's buzzing around your ear and so he's telling this whole story about when he was in prison and they're and so he's like yeah so there i am right and then next thing (laughs) i mean there's a lot of bugs here so anyway (laughs) so now they're all laughing at him but he thinks they're laughing at his story and so now that they're laughing, his self-confidence is getting greater and greater. And he's telling the story with more energy and more vitality. And they're laughing because his self-confidence. Now they're laughing at him for two reasons. One, he's getting pranked right behind him. But two, because he thinks that they love his story so much that that's what they're laughing at. And that lasted for about 10 fucking minutes when he's just telling the story. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that's, that's one of the things I always wish was a special feature. So did I just spit on you? No. <laughs> no, my nose—it's allergies, like you know. What I mean, my nose just like it's fogged up. No, but so that's the name of that tune. So what was it? So what was your childhood like? What did you? What religion are you? I think I'm Methodist. You're Methodist. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed a lot of churches around here. Yeah. This is like an old Victorian neighborhood, with so it's like. A lot of this neighborhood was built in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, and they did a lot of supplemental building, I noticed, right around World War II, when a lot of the the manufacturing was big here, and there was a lot of people from down south moving here for the war effort. So I noticed that with the architecture around here. It's a cool, cool neighborhood. Yeah, I like it. it Kind of, it's kind of bad, kind of good. It depends on, like, this is, this is the best neighborhood. Like, my street, Mm -hmm. there were always kids growing up. Mm -hmm. 
and now that we're all old, it's just like, you know, no one's here. Yeah. But my childhood, I, I don't know, I blocked most of it out. No. Um, <laughs> it wasn't bad. I mean, like, I grew up youngest out of two. Uh-huh. Um, I had an older sister and two older sisters, and pretty much, like, my sister who lives up in Rhode Island, she got away with everything. Oh, really? Yeah. And I wasn't even allowed, like, my mom barely let me out of the house. Like, I didn't really have friends and like, until I went to karate. Then I started hanging out with them. Then that's when high school like hit. Like I was like maybe like fourteen. That's when I started like hanging out with friends and stuff, getting girlfriends. Because mm-hmm. like I, I was always girl crazy like as a kid. What's the biggest heartbreak you ever had? Oh, was the first time. How old were you when you first had your heartbreak? That's a tough one. Um, so I dated this girl. I'm not gonna say her name. Don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> We were like 13, 14, we dated for like two years, and she like broke up with me, and I was like really devastated. I broke up with her because my family was getting too involved, and I didn't want to do that. And oh, that's the worst. Yeah. And then I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So we broke up, and then I was like, I kind of feel like shit. Yeah. 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 God, I remember that. What about you? Um, I first had a heartbreak. I really loved, this is weird, I really loved this girl when I was in sixth grade. I fell in love with this girl, and like, dude, I was, I, I loved her for like, three, three years. Really? Yeah. And I never even held her hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then, uh, that was, I would say that was probably the biggest heartbreak of my whole life. Oh, wow. it was like, yeah, like, like liking that girl, that intense liking that girl so much, and it was like, it never like worked out. Like as much as I would try and win her affection. It never worked out. Never worked out yeah. Other than that, I never really had my heart broken. It's weird. Like I've had girlfriends, and where it just hasn't worked out. But I've always like accepted that. Uh, pretty. Easy. I've always been pretty easy with breakups because I don't like arguing. Yeah. And I don't like fighting. And for some reason, I pick women who love to argue and love to fight. <laughs> so uh, normally, so it's like as soon as there's like fighting or arguing, I'm out. Right. I'm just like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be with you. Didn't you have a crazy ex-girlfriend? Uh, they're all crazy. <laughs> Dude, no, they're all, like, I, I, I'm i not very good at picking, uh, good girls. At, at picking good girlfriends, man. I'm not, like, I, I don't know what it is about me. So I just don't date anymore. Yeah. I've been dated for years. I, mean, I haven't been on a date in, I was on a date a year and a half ago. Oh, really? That was the last time I was on a date. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And before that, it was like, yeah, that one girl was probably like the only girl I've dated in like four years. See, I dated, so I dated this girl, Ashley. We dated for six months. We broke up because like she was like kind of crazy. Well, turns out she went to my cousin. And, oh, no. And, oh, man. It, it gets worse. So they're like, she was arguing with me. He was arguing with me. Don't look at my girlfriend. We would get in the fights over. I Don't there. look at my girlfriend? Yeah. I was like, she was mine first. So we were getting the fights, but like, short, to make a long story short, uh, they're getting married, and we're all the, we're the best of friends now. Mm-hmm. Jealousy's always the worst thing. In a relationship. Just in general. Yeah. Like, jealousy will eat you alive. Jealousy is the worst thing to have in your life as a fixture in your personality. So if you're jealous of someone for... Uh, over career or wealth or relationships and stuff like that will 
decrease your quality of life and probably decrease your lifespan, the right. stress of jealousy. So if you're a jealous person, let go. Believe me. Do whatever it takes. Go online, look at self-help courses, take, like, meditate, like, find, like, moments of introspection. Like, you have to let go of jealous feelings. It will kill you. Yeah. I mean, there, when we when we first started dating, there's this, like, guy who would always text her. I'm getting real jealous because I didn't know who the hell he was. Oh, yeah, yeah, But, I, you know, after, like, you know, us getting through everything. Well, that's like, different because, like, because, you know. It's weird. It's because like, I've been on the other end of that. So I've been on the end where like I've had girlfriends and like I would have like an ex-girlfriend or a girl that was interested in me or I was interested in her texting me and stuff. And so it's like there would always be a point where I would always have to be like, like, OK, like talking to you, like, you know, like I would te- text him or whatever, talk to him. And I'd say, look, we're friends. But it's like having you around is like putting me in a compromising position because I don't want to hurt the person I'm with. Right. You know, and it's like, it's, you know, we have had a past and, you know, if I spend too much time with you, it, it's going to feel weird for this other person. So, you know, and then there's other girls who like will try and woo me away from the girl I'm with. Right. And I got to tell them, I'm like, dude, I don't want to do that. Like, we can't be friends if this is what you're going to do. Exactly. You know, it's like, you know, I remember I was dating uh one girl and this girl was my steady girlfriend like we've been going out for like two years and then a girl i used to date wanted to go to lunch and i i agreed to go with her for lunch but i didn't tell my girlfriend because i knew she'd be jealous right and as i'm eating with the girl i used to date i'm like this is wrong right because i wouldn't want my girl even though i'm not cheating or there's nothing nefarious or wrong about this I wouldn't want my girlfriend to do this. Right. You know? So I never did that again. But, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's like you don't want to violate someone's trust. And there's only worse. There's one thing worse than getting caught in the act, and that's being blamed when you haven't done anything. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. We, I, have a, I have a great story with that. We were in bed, and, like, I guess I was dreaming, and, like, I said, oh, Ashley. Oh. She wakes up. Oh, no. And she's like, She's like getting all like dressed in the shower. I'm like, what's wrong? Why are you talking? She's like, who the fuck's Ashley? I'm like, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't talk about the asses. I was like, there's like two asses I know. Oh she, man, I don't know what I was dreaming about. I used to date this one girl who snored. Oh god. And she and I would shake her like it was bad. Okay. She had like sleep apnea. Beautiful girl, but she snored like a like a hippopotamus, man. <laughs> so I would have to shake her awake. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, stop, stop, stop. You're snoring, you're snoring, you're snoring. So the guy who she dated after me, so we were still friends, but we just stopped dating. Yeah. We didn't, it didn't work out. So she would snore when he would wake her up. She would say, Joe, come on, Joe. And she would call <laughs> him my name and he already didn't like me. Okay. <laughs> and so you can imagine how much his animosity grew because to get her to stop snoring you'd have to shake her and hear her say my name <laughs> oh my god dude that guy hated me what was his name clem, clem. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was weird, weird yeah i think his name is clem but uh jesus well that was college what the hell this girl gabby i dated whoops oh well <laughs> 
Sorry, Gabby. She doesn't watch my. She she blocked me after this. Uh, we did for a month. She broke up with me out of nowhere. I'm like, all right, that's kind of fucked up. And then uh, she started dating this guy named uh, PJ. So when I first did this, oh no, I was like, you know what? Let me just fucking thrash. And I didn't thrash her. I just like said, this girl I dated. She's dating this guy named PJ. I guess she wanted the uh, P rather than the T. <laughs> and she saw that. Well, like, that uh, sounds perverted anyway. Yeah. So it sounds like there's an innuendo there. It's like. You could read into that definitely. And she got real bad, and uh, we don't know. <laughs> oh, well, that's the name of that tune. And she used to work at a restaurant, too. And my parents always went to that restaurant. They would always invite me to go. And every time I would go to that restaurant, she would be there. And, oh, man, that's the worst. And I got chopped them up one time with, it looked like a loogie in it because I felt it in my mouth. Like, what the fuck is this? And I spit it out. I was like, ew. You drank, oh, you drank her loogie? I don't know what it was. So, like, I drank it out, <laughs> but I spit the loogie out, and I was like, fuck this, and I, like, threw up in the bathroom all over the place. Oh, man. You know that Denny's over there on, um, in Essington? Yeah. Okay, there's a Denny's in Essington. When I was there, um, one time I, I drank a soda there, and then I looked at all my friends' sodas, and there were gnats in the soda. Oh. And so it's like, I realized it, like, because I was thirsty, I drank all mine down. I realized I drank all those gnats, and I complained to the manager, and he got mad at me. He goes, well, then I'll give you the soda for free, okay? I'm like, no, I'm not paying for anything. I'm not eating here. Yeah. And, like, we got in this, this big fight, and uh, he uh, actually called the cops. Oh, really? Yeah, because I ordered. I didn't eat the food yet. Wow. I just drank the soda. And that son, of a, that son of a gun called the cops, and I had to leave before the, before the cops came. Yeah, I never went back to that Denny's. No, actually, not, I went back to that De that Denny's like 20 years later. Right. But it's like, yeah, so don't ever eat at the Essington and Denny's if you don't want to drink bugs. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> no, I, I've had my share, my fair share of like stories with like guys. Like, so a lot of girls at the bar, that's why I don't go to the bar anymore. I did a lot of horrific things. I was a bad guy. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really bad guy. I just like fucked a lot and like made people cheat on me, I guess. You made people oh, cheat on I, I don't. I wouldn't even say that. Like, So, for instance, there's this girl my dad and I used to work with. She was a banker, and we were like in the parking garage. I would always go up there. Well, she was sitting at the bar with her mom and her friends. She was just like, yeah, you're kind of cute. I was like, yeah, you're kind of cute, too. I was like, wait, are you married? She was like, no. So we start making out. Turns out her husband, this big like marine-looking oh, dude, no. is down the, like, down the other end like looking at me. So like, I didn't know anything about it. So, you know, the next week we go in the bar, he's like, you ever fucking touch my girlfriend? I'm going to fucking kill you. Wait, they were married or going out? They were married. Oh, my God. She wasn't wearing a ring or anything. So he threatened to kill me. Yeah. And then the top thing's off. Was he still going out with her? He didn't, he, did he stay with her? Yeah. Why would you stay with your wife if she's making out with us, some dude in the car? Well, we were in the bar. And, like, we were, she was, he was on, like, the other end of the bar watching us we he watched you make out with it and yeah, he didn't say yeah. anything then no why because his, like she was with her mom and her mom grabbed her and yelled at me she's like you fucking homewrecker and i was like i was like what i do wow and she like she was drunk obviously and then i made out with this with my sister's you made out with your sister no my sister's <laughs> my sister's friend's older sister who was like 40 which Okay. Which Tori knows, and like they make fun of me all the time. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. And why? Because she's forty. I guess they have some stories that I don't know. Oh, about. okay. And then I went to Barnaby's in Ridley, 
which I oh yeah Barnaby's yeah, yeah. yeah we went there there was this girl she was like you look like Mark Zuckerberg I'm like yeah yeah and she was like what are you here for I was like I'm doing a new uh, campaign <laughs> it's going to be called something with Facebook so we wound up fucking in her back of her Tahoe oh no and her friend catches us in the act thought you were Mark Zuckerberg yeah <laughs> <laughs> but wait you're not Jewish I, you're not <laughs> yeah <laughs> Are you sure you're not Jewish? I don't know. I don't fucking know. <laughs> but, uh, oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Well, the worst thing, dude, I would never – it's actually, like, it would be scarier to, like – I don't – in all my years of, do, of, like, I've never done anything, like, crazy, like, as far as cheating and stuff goes. But, like, like, all the time – okay, so I know a lot of guys who – brag about all the women they've been with and everything yeah. and like they always have stories about cheating like with girls who have husbands yeah i'm like are you crazy that's how people like like when you when you read about a crime of passion that's always how it happens right the husband goes crazy when he finds a cheating wife and murders the dude and then he normally only does three years in prison because it's a crime of passion yeah. no jury would convict you that's like that's crazy to me i could never Oh man, yeah. People I, who like are married and cheat—it's it's, well. First of all, there's a the whole thing where it's like when you get married, you make a vow before God, right? Your friends, your family, to always be with that person, and to like violate that—it's like God do something to your whole persona or like your right. self-esteem or like your self-image or something. I don't know. It's. Mm. I mean, I've been cheated on before, too, and, like, I guess I guess when I turned 21, that's when I was just, like, you know what? I kind of turned into, I kind of turned into, like, the Bam of, like, you know how, like, after Ryan passed and Bam went into his, like, the little, that's what I kind of did. Yeah. I was pretty much just, like, fuck this. I'm going to, like, make sure everybody, like, pays for, like, what they did to me. I wasn't violent, but, like, it was just, like. You were like, angry. I was angry. Yeah, I would drink at the bar. That's very common. And, you know hit on every girl i mean a couple girls she on me with her husbands and i was you know occasionally trying to yeah. get with some other girls and i felt like really bad after that. that can make you angry when you get cheated on like yeah. like you feel so violated you know um yeah that that's happened to me that's happened to me before and it's just like you know cheating is another thing where it's like once that happens relationships over right. like there's no like like okay like you're sorry and i get that but it's never going to be like it was, and you're probably going to do it again. Like, yeah. you know. And the other thing about people who cheat, get caught cheating is like, oh, I only did it this one time. And that's where we left off. So pretty much we talked a little bit more about the like relationships and stuff, but he mostly wanted to talk about what he's doing to the new generation. Like he's def he's bringing back, you know, CKY one, two, three, and four. He's bringing back Haggard and Ming Hags. He's putting them on HD files for a new generation of kids who are actually watching this stuff. And he's going to live stream it in about a week. And then he's going to look into putting it out on Blu-ray very soon. So look out for that. He is also in the process of writing a second book to Dream Seller. It's going to be called The Streets of Baltimore. 
and pretty much that's what he's working on right now because he just said he's going to proofread it one more time and then he's going to you know start like putting it all together to set in third he talked about the graphic novel where he got everybody to sign it and basically he was always a fan of comic books but he wasn't a fan of like really superheroes he was more of a fan of indie comic books that had cursing in it and like real life problems so that's what he really talked about um like i said i am very sorry for this being cut short like that i didn't intend for it to be cut short like that um yeah so maybe we'll do an interview again and we'll get more in depth with it when i'll just use like my actual camera but um i'm actually really upset that it got a little uh cut but that's fine mistakes happen i'm pretty sure a lot of files will get lost um i'm going to try to look for it at least like sometime this week um yeah that's really it so if you guys are new to this make sure you like and subscribe turn on post notifications and uh yeah hope you guys enjoyed this episode this was my biggest guest yet second biggest guest at that i want to try to get more people on more famous people on we're going to try to do a whole bunch more uh you know big things coming in 2019 i promise you that so yeah Peace out, everybody. Hope you guys enjoy your uh, weekend. Weekend. Peace out, everybody. Later. All right, everybody. That's going to wrap up our interview show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, usually, I don't do best ofs, but if you guys do enjoy the best of when I do vacation time on the podcast, then I you know, hope you guys enjoy it. If you guys do enjoy it, let me know because I'll be doing more best of if you guys do enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, I love you all to death. See you guys on Wednesday. Then I'll see you guys on Friday for the last two best of. So, uh, yeah. Bye, everybody.